You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to spotlight the Denver Broncos with Brandon Stokely, the former Broncos receiver, and preview this weekend's preseason games in the all-important third week of the preseason. Brian, we're going to start off the podcast with former NFL coach Brian Billick. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing great today, guys. Coach, it's good to hear from you. Always good to hear from you. There's a lot of quarterback uh Things taking place in the National Football League right now. But one I want to talk about is the Cleveland Browns. You have a Deshaun Kaiser as well as a Brock Osweiler. How would you gauge uh, that situation by Hugh Jackson and how he's trying to deal with it? Well, that's always a tough one because you have a veteran that you would expect to be ahead of the curve and is naturally going to look better on a more consistent basis. Uh, and the rookie is, you know, you know full well, uh, Cornell. It's, you know, it's it's a constant learning process. It looks pretty big right now, but there's no dis- denying the talents uh, uh, of Deshaun Kaiser, uh, Brock Osweiler. At least appears to be just kind of that second level at best backup type quarterback. Uh, Hugh Jackson, obviously, they got to win some games after going one and fifteen last year. But they've got to take a little bit of longer view. So that's going to be the dilemma. Do I go with it? Do I, and, and we don't know how he really evaluates the two. If you really think Brock Osweiler can be your guy, then by all means, you make him your guy. But if you think he's going to be a placeholder for uh, Deshaun Kaiser to eventually come in, I, I, I would opt to just put him in right now. You're going to be better, quicker in the long run, if that makes sense, to go with the young player if you think he's going to be the guy. Ryan, how about tonight's game between the Jaguars and the Panthers? Two years ago, Blake Bortles had 35 touchdown passes. What has happened to him since then? Chad Henney gets the start tonight. Yeah, well, there's a lot of interceptions that went with that as well. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, Doug Marone is, is looking at, he, he, was, he lived through that as well. So this isn't like a new coach coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to try to make this evaluation. He lived through it last year uh, and saw what it was. So if there's, and, and the fact that they really didn't want to, uh, extend themselves uh, uh, financially and contractually. Kind of told you a little something. Obviously, Tom Coughlin is the other, other set of eyes there. Um, you know, if you don't think he's the guy, I understand that. But I don't. If not, I'm not sure you have your quarterback in the future on campus, and that's going to be the challenge for Jacksonville. How, con- how concerned would you be if you were the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, seeing that your quarterback Andrew Luck hadn't taken a live snap yet uh, with the team? Yeah, we have a couple of those, don't we? I do the preseason games for the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco's in the same right. category in terms of him not going to take a snap until the regular season. It's got to be a concern. I mean, Cordell, you know this. I always just say, you know, if we didn't have to practice, we wouldn't. Right. Because anytime you got you put a guy on a field, you run the risk of injury. Uh, but there's just a certain pacing of the game. you got to get in cardiovascular shape. You then have to get in football shape using those muscle groups to, to, that are unique to the game. And then you've got to get in hitting shape. Now, not necessarily for a quarterback, but you've got to get used to getting hit and to go into uh, the regular season. And we don't know what the long-term prognosis is on either one. They're going to take the longer view. There's no question. Both sound optimistic. But until those guys step under center, uh, you know, as a head coach, you've got to be concerned. 
Brian Billick, NFL Network, is our guest on the NFL on tuning. Cam Newton coming back from his shoulder injury tonight. Coach, how much will having a versatile player like Christian McCaffrey help to take some of the pressure off Cam, who won the MVP award just a couple years ago? Huge, huge. And I think we've already seen some impact of Christian McCaffrey and what he can do. Uh, so you add what I think it will do more than anything else, and, and we used to call them XOs, meaning extended handoffs. In their running game, and they always want to run the ball well, they've got to take a little of that off Cam Newton. So develop more of a system where you can take those little drop-offs to a Christian McCaffrey. And he's becoming like the vote backs in the league. Uh, again, I'm doing the Ravens game. They're counting on Danny Woodhead to do the same thing. Um, obviously, uh, Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, who obviously takes it to a whole nother level, two backs down in Atlanta. That's kind of a vote thing. The guys that can come out of the backfield, give you those extra yards after the catch with the little check downs, the flares, legitimate route runner, and he is that out of the backfield. Gives them a lot more latitude beyond just the sheer productivity of it. Hopefully, you can take some of the, the runs off of Cam Newton's plate so he doesn't get exposed to those hits. The Rams, uh, some are saying that Jared Goff needs a, a coach that, that's hard on him in a sense, someone that's a little bit older as, a, as opposed to Sean McVay who's young and, and some may say he's probably cuddling, uh, let's just say Jared Goff. I don't think so because I think in order for it to mesh, especially with the new quarterback uh, coming out of the draft, uh, you may need someone that can relate to his style, to his temperament to an extent. Uh, how do you see that relationship happening between he and Jared Goff? Because right now Jared Goff is playing better football now than we've seen him play in an entire season last year. Yeah, it's always a unique dynamic. As you know very well, Cordell, there's the dynamic between the quarterback and, and the offensive coordinator slash play caller. Then there's a different dynamic with the head coach, but when your head coach is that play caller, that, that adds another level to it. And so as, as an offensive coordinator quarterback coach, and, and particularly a young one, you're going you're gonna to have that kind of relationship. Uh, you're going to have that, that kind of brotherhood of, of look, we're, we're in this together and, and we can relate to one another because we're, we're close to each other in age. But then you also have to be that head coach. And, and you have to be that guy to be able to put his hand to the fire because sometimes you, know, you need that head coach to say, hey, look, this is the way it is and that baptism under fire. So that's a, that's a very fine line to walk for Sean McVay. I'm sure he'll do a good job in terms of making sure that he continues to nurture and, and have that relationship with Jared Goff, but at the same token, make sure Jared Goff will get it. You know, he'll, have, he'll understand that sometimes when he has to burr up as the head coach at the quarterback, you know, uh, Bill Belichick will, will burr up with Tom Brady occasionally. Uh, which which needs to happen because the rest of the team needs to see that because then they know there's accountability at all levels. Taking you around the league with Brian Billick of NFL Network. Brian, we have the Dolphins and Eagles tonight. How smooth do you think the transition has been in Miami for Jay Cutler considering he played well for Adam Gase in Chicago before Gase got the opportunity to become the head coach in Miami? Yeah, I did that game. Uh, the Ravens played Miami. Uh, and it was kind of a one-sided affair. That Raven defense is for real again. Uh, and the Miami offense. Now, Jake Culler came in. It was interesting. They went no huddle, which is really not a bad thing to do because it, it condenses the game plan. And rather than a bunch coming in your ear, Jake Culler, who's comfortable with the system, knows he can operate it the way he wanted to. I think that was part of the reason. Plus, obviously, you want to keep some of the rotation and the different uh, pressures that the Ravens can bring. You want to calm that down. So the first couple series, they moved the ball pretty well, made a couple nice throws. Eventually, you know, they bogged down either with penalties or uh, missed third-down opportunities. Uh, Jay Cutler is a legitimate quarterback. We know that. He's very comfortable with Miami. They need to get that running game cranked up. Uh, the defense played okay. 
Uh, I don't know that even with Jay Cutler, though, they're in a position to, for anybody to say, okay, they're ready to challenge the New England Patriots. Coach, when you talk about the, when you use the word parity, I would think it's probably at its highest levels when you look at some of these divisions. Uh, look at the East right now in the NFC. I know Dallas, we want to anoint them right now, but we don't know what's going to happen in the backfield. So you have the Giants, uh, and then you have Philly, who we think may come around. If you go to the AFC West, uh, you look at teams like the Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs, and Oakland Raiders. You go to the South, you can see that. Uh, you go to NFC North, you can see it. When you see that type of parity within the divisions, what does that say for the National Football League in a sense of how they're going about building their football teams? Well, I, I think it's what they want, obviously. There, there's very few leagues where you have the ability to get good quicker. You know, in the old days, when you were bad, you were bad for a long time. Right. Because it just took a while to get the personnel changed over. Now, with free agency, with the drafting the way it is, you can get good quicker. When I look at a division, it's, it, you know, they're going to be one or two good teams. You can say there's parity there. To me, it's what's the, what's the difference between the top of the division and the bottom of the division. That's where you look at it and say it's, it's pretty equal. You look at the uh, NFC South. And, right. and we just talked about Cam Newton and his Carolina back. You can't ever count out Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay looks to be a really good football team, and I think they're going to be very solid. So across the board, from top to bottom in that division, um, this, this can be pretty good. Atlanta, of course, at the top of it, you, you know, you've got to know that they're going to come out blazing. So um, you look at a division like that, it's not just the top two teams, okay, who's going to challenge the top two? It's top to bottom. And you look across the board and you see that, I think it's good. I think it's good for football. I mean, the AFC, it appears most people seem to think it's New England versus the field, you know, in a Tiger Woods-esque type of, okay, uh, you know, we're going to take the field and we'll see who can step up, whether it's a Pittsburgh that can step up or maybe uh, one of these other teams in the AFC, you know, maybe uh, an Oakland or a Kansas City or or who who knows come up can really challenge. We won't know until the playoffs. In the NFC, boy, I don't know. You you put my hand in the fire and say, okay, tell me who you think is going to go and win the Super Bowl or at least go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Boy, I don't know that I couldn't narrow it down to, to five, six teams that I think have a real legitimate shot. Brian, last one for me. Cordell played in the Super Bowl, went to the Pro Bowl, but listening to him over the last year and a half doing this show, I think he's most proud of what he won, special team player of the week honors as the emergency punter playing for you with the Ravens. What do you remember about that game, Coach? Uh, the best part was Kyle Richards go down. I'm looking around and I go, oh, he's a good athlete. So he goes, you ever done? Yeah, okay, you're the punter. He says, what? So he goes over. Here's the best part. We're in New York, right? And Cordell, you know where I'm going with this. We're in yeah. New York. You know how the New York fans are. So yeah, he goes over and they set up the kicking net. He goes to punt in the kicking net and he misses it. <laughs> and the ball launches it and the fans are on him. Mercifully. Oh, God. He turns and goes, hey, I've never done this before. Give me a break. Well, at that point, they started cheering for him. We had all these Jet fans right behind our bets. We're pulling for him. And he goes out. What was that? You nailed it. Like a 70-yarder at one point? Yes, I, I rolled did. pretty good. Yeah. But it was still a 70-yarder. That was That's one of my favorite memories. Oh, it was good. It was great. And what's funny is, is I, I remember it was, I think, was it Anthony Wright that came and got my attention? He was like, Stu Beef. He said, you got to go in and punt. And I'm thinking, you know, it's Thanksgiving. You know, I'm a rookie. They're telling me I have to go get turkeys and what have you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sitting out just talking. And all of a sudden I see you. You're like, yeah, you're up. (laughs) Let's go. It was awesome. It was fun. It really was. That's why they call him Slash. It's all about versatility. (laughs) Brian, great information as always. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Sounds great. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. 
between game-winning drives and walk-off home runs. Follow TuneIn Sports on social media and get the latest scoop on our great sports shows. From MLB at the plate to NFL No Huddle, be the first to know about upcoming interviews with some of the biggest stars in sports. Or check out behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Like us at TuneIn Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and keep up on all the latest news and happenings from around the world of sports. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Will Trevor Simeon guide the Broncos to the playoffs? Let's find out with Brandon Stokely, the former Broncos receiver. Brandon, as always, we appreciate the time. So you talk to folks connected with the team since the Broncos traded up to take Paxton Lynch in the draft with the first-round pick last year. Were they disappointed he didn't play better in the quarterback competition? Oh, yeah, no no question about it. You know, this was his job uh, to lose. They wanted him to win this job. Uh, you very rarely see a first-round pick, like you said, that you moved up in the draft, sit for two years. And uh, so this competition was for him to win. He just couldn't do it. Trevor Simeon flat outplayed him, was the better quarterback. And Paxton Lynch, you know, he, he, he just it, – it seemed like at the start of camp it was going to be a good competition – but he just didn't get any better. He just kind of stayed the same as Trevor progressed in Mike McCoy's system. I mean, being that he's a veteran and he had the opportunity to sit behind Peyton Manning, I, I think it lends him the chance to, I think, advance a little bit further in the game than a Paxton Lynch. But when you look at what Trevor Simeon's accomplished over the time playing uh, when it comes to the blitz, uh, touchdown interception, he's, what, he's thrown 10 touchdowns, one interceptions, yards per attempt, 8.5, and total QBR 87. That's the part I don't think no one talks about enough when it comes down to competing for a job, especially the QB job, is how do you handle pressure? Was Paxton Lynch able to handle the pressure uh, in a way that caused, I would say, Vance Joseph to make the decision that he's making? You know, when I looked at at Paxton Lynch, you saw a guy that just didn't look comfortable uh, playing NFL quarterback, playing uh, under the center, in, in the shotgun just not comfortable yet. He is a lot better than what he was a year ago, uh, but he's just not ready yet. And you look at a guy like Trevor Simeon, who just does the right things. He throws the football to the right guy, makes the right decision. Uh, he's not going to turn the football over. And he has that year of experience uh, from last year. So um, I think Trevor just was Mr. Consistency. And as, as an offensive coordinator, head coach, first-year head coach, what do you want? You want the guy that you're not sure what's going to – what he's going to do with the football. You want that consistent guy that you know where he's going to throw the football and a guy that just got better and better throughout camp. And uh, Trevor was that guy. Brandon Stokely is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Brandon head coach Vance Joseph, as you know, said Jamal Charles is going to play a lot Saturday against the Packers. Does Charles need to show something on the field in this game to make the roster? Is he on the bubble? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he needs to show a lot. Uh, they got a young guy here, D'Angelo Henderson, that they drafted in the sixth round out of Coastal Carolina who is a stud, uh, just a really, really good football player, and they love him. So uh, and you have Devontae Booker, who they drafted the year before, uh, who is hurt right now. And then you got C.J. Anderson, and they love Andy Janovitz, the fullback. So it's a crowded room. It is a crowded room, um, and he hasn't been – he hasn't played in any games. He hasn't played in any games. He's played in eight games in two years, and uh, – so that they've been taking it really slow with them uh, throughout the whole offseason and in training camp. Um, and this will be his first preseason game. Vance Joseph did say he said he's going to play a lot. He's going to be in there in the top uh, first 15 plays, and he's going to play a lot of football. And I think he has to play well. 
he has to really show them that he's a Jamal Charles of old for them to keep him on the opening day roster. Brandon, you know I'm a big fan of Vance Joseph. He's a childhood friend. We grew up together from the age of seven, and and I think he's taken this head coaching position, uh, I think, by the horns and really is being transparent with the media but being really honest and player-friendly when it comes down to competition. And if you look at the offensive line, uh, when it comes to the guard position, you have Max, Max Garcia and Allen Barber. How is that panning out to be able to sole up, let's just say, lock up the interior part of this offensive line uh, for Trevor Simeon? Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that was one of the biggest – uh, disappointments last year was their offensive line, and, and that was one of the reasons why I thought Trevor played a lot better than people uh, give him credit for. Uh, they couldn't run the football. They didn't They didn't protect the quarterbacks very well, and he still went out there as a first-year starter and did a very good job. I, I look at the left guard position, and um, you're probably going to have four new starters from last year's offensive line to this year's offensive line. Um, and uh, Max Garcia was the guy last year, and I think it's going to be Alan Barber this year. You could also see him flip-flop. Ben Joseph has said, we're going to play the best five offensive linemen. Connor McGovern, a draft pick from last year, uh, has been playing very well. You might see him at the right guard, then move, then move their uh, biggest free agent acquisition, Ronald Leary from the Cowboys, to the left guard spot. So there's some flipping and flopping that still could happen. Uh, but I think uh, first game of the season, it probably will be Allen Barber as a starter, and that would be four new offensive linemen uh, from last year to this year uh, with Garrett Bowles, their rookie uh, 20th pick overall, starting is going to be the starter at left tackle. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think that group will be a lot better run blocking. I've still got my uh, questions and concerns about their pass protection. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber spotlighting the Broncos with Brandon Stokely on the NFL on TuneIn. We know the defense remains the strength of this team, but how much are they going to miss linebacker Shane Ray as he deals with a wrist injury? Oh, man, they're going to miss him a lot. He, he, he was going to have a breakout year, and I think he still will have a good year, but I don't know how long that wrist injury is going to linger around. Uh, but he was going to have a, just an unbelievable year this year. I just felt that you could just tell his mindset and approach uh, this year. I was bummed out for him. Uh, that that happened to him, but hopefully they can get him back early. Uh, so they're going to miss him a lot. They're going to miss him a lot. They got Shaq Barrett back, uh, a guy that was going to play a big role for them also this year, but in a reserved role. Uh, so he just got back to practice from having hip surgery uh, a couple days ago. So he's back now, um, and so that helps them out a little bit. But the defense will still be good. They'll still be good. Uh, big emphasis this offseason on stopping the run. They've had some injuries up front with Derek Wolf and uh, Jared Crick. Uh, those guys should be back for the first week of the season. So that, that no-fly zone still intact. Uh, teams are going to test them. Uh, teams are going to run the football against this defense. They're not going to be trying to throw the football all around the yard against that secondary. So uh, up front, if they can stop the run, it's going to be a great defense. Brandon, how are the players responding to Vance Joseph in his first year as the head coach for the Denver Broncos? They're responding uh, well. You know, you can tell everybody really respects him. Uh, he's very honest and upfront. You know, his motto is truth, uh, which I, I really appreciate as a former player. You know, hey, we're just going to tell you the truth, and we want you to tell your teammates the truth and tell yourself the truth when you watch film and you look at and evaluate your game because that's how us as coaches are going to coach you. I think guys appreciate that, and you can really tell – the locker room has really taken a liking to his style of coaching. He's done a great job of pushing these guys in practice, but also knowing when to pull back. Uh, so uh, he's been great. He, he really has been great as a 
uh, first-year head coach. You know, I'm pulling for him because he's from Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. Yep. So uh, just like you, Cordell. So, but he's he's done a great job so far. Uh, and let's see how he handles the the pressure of the regular season. But handling this quarterback competition, um, he, he really had a plan in place for it, and he followed through. Uh, to the last possible moment. And when it was very clear who the starter should be, he made the decision. So I think he, he passed that first big test as, as far as uh, quarterback competition. He passed that with flying colors. Now let's see how he handles the pressures and the rigors of the regular season. Let's wrap it up with the big picture. We know how rugged and competitive the AFC West is, but if Trevor Simeon can limit the mistakes, do you think the Broncos are a playoff team? Man, it's it's a, it's the toughest in football, Ryan. Toughest in football, the AFC West. Um, it's it's going to be tough for the Broncos. Uh, let's see how this new offense with Mike McCoy, this new offensive line, uh, comes together. They're going to have to play. Uh, they're going to have to start fast, and and that's hard to do with all these new parts and pieces that they have this year. I think it's a team that's going to be right on the bubble because this defense is going to be great. Uh, I don't know if they have enough this year. I, I don't know if they have enough. I got them just missing the playoffs. And that is a objective opinion from someone with a connection to the team who talks Broncos football 52 weeks a year. Brandon, as always, we appreciate the information. Thanks for taking the time to join us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, by detailing week three of the preseason and the key matchups that stand out to us. Let's break down the Dolphins, starting by hearing from head coach Adam Gase talking about the offensive outlook tonight matching up with Philadelphia. Every everything that happens that we're kind of not sure on when we get out of practice. I mean, they are having conversations in our meeting, our film sessions. They're talking everything out. I mean, those guys have taken upon themselves. They're not waiting for me to say something. They're not waiting for Clyde. They're not waiting for any of the other coaches. They're they're taking it on their own and they're they're trying to make sure everything's tied up pretty tight before we hit this next game. And then it'll, they'll be doing the same thing leading in the first preseason or the first regular season game. Cordell, did you catch the comments from Jay Cutler this week? He was candid. He said that the losing at Chicago got to him. I don't know that he was offering an explanation for the perception that he's not a great teammate, that he's detached, but it feels like he's trying to make the most of this fresh start in South Florida. From a football standpoint only, given his understanding of Adam Gase's offense and his arm talent, could you argue that Cutler is an upgrade over Ryan Tannehill? Oh, yeah, I, and I, I, I would say this. One reason is he knows the system for sure. Um, physically, I'm a Ryan Tannehill fan. Uh, I just think QBIQ, I think that's another conversation. I would lend that over to Jake Cutler, um, especially in this system. Um, I fear for Jake Cutler from the standpoint of with this team is he's been away from the game for some time. Fear uh, injury in Chicago. Um, maybe the candle has, has, you know, the the, the you know, it's probably is burnt out. 
when he was there in Chicago to where now all of a sudden, you know, it goes from him having a chance to be a part of the second team with Fox uh, to now all of a sudden he's a first-teamer starting quarterback with the Miami Dolphins and and getting a $10 million uh, compensation check, let's just call it that, uh, for his services. We don't know how long that's going to last for the year because we've seen the injuries over the past few years with him. Uh, but I'll say overall for this offense and, and what they're trying to do and his his ability, his his canning ability to be able to throw the football from an from an unorthodox position, uh, meaning he's just slinging it. He's capable of doing that. That's a plus. But then it also becomes a minus when everything breaks down. He's trying too hard sometimes. That gunslinger mentality can be with you at times, but it also can be against you. Uh, we've seen it be with him a lot in Chicago, but at times in which they needed that gunslinging mentality to be on the forefront to help them win, it didn't happen that much. This is a much better football team in Miami. Uh, I think this gives Jake Cutler an opportunity, I would say, to reap the benef- benefits off of what they already have because of what he knows in the system and his capabilities of throwing the football anywhere on the football field, to any receiver or back out of the backfield. Uh, So is he an upgrade? I I would give him the nod uh, when it comes down to being an upgrade, um, I would say, on this football team in comparison to Ryan Tannehill. But here's the thing with Ryan Tannehill. It's it's, it's similar to Blake Bortles in his situation. It's when you've been around a bad bill of goods for some time, you inherit that feeling or that notion of, of how football should be played. And then all of a sudden, you get that ray of light. And I think that's probably why you hear Jay Cutler being so transparent, because he's get the ray of light of, oh, this is how it works. Man, look at the defense. Look at the secondary. Oh, my goodness. Look at the offense and the pieces with Jay Ajayi and a few things that he's been able to do. Um, and, and so the receiver's on the outside. So when you see that, and then you have Adam Gaze, and you're in Miami, and you get a chance to live a, a nice life, have be a part of a nice lifestyle. I mean, you you have a chance to to flush out the bad and in with the new, uh, and, and, and kind of have a let's just say an overhaul when it comes to going to the tune-up shop. And then I think that's where he is. But he is an upgrade over Ryan Tannehill when it comes to being able to run the system and help it move in the direction. The question is, will he be able to stay healthy, and how will his personality? Uh, I think worked throughout that locker room based on what we what we've allegedly heard about how he was with the Chicago Bears. But if this team understands what's probably going to happen, unless Cutler decides he wants to play another year and the club goes back to the playoffs for the second consecutive year, base salary you hit on it, ten million bucks with incentives, you can make thirteen million dollars. If it's upfront and understood within that locker room, it's a one-year rental, and then they'll figure out what they're doing under center next year. Cordell, does it really matter? We've had this conversation in the past, but the audience always changes. I know the quarterback position is different, but so long as Cutler shows up on Sunday and slings it around the yard, does it really matter if he's friends with these guys? It does. Uh, You know, you're, you're in the locker room, with, with a group of guys, and you're the quarterback. We're not saying you're the kicker. We're not saying you're, you know, a, a rookie. We're saying you're the starting quarterback who's a veteran, who's established in the National Football League on a team that's already established, 
and needing his services to help them get where they get to where they want to get to. And that's hopefully deeper into the playoffs. Matter of fact, competing for that division and hopefully getting into the well, playoffs. Well, they're not competing for, for the division. Well, I mean, that's that's the better, that's the second best team in that division. Yeah, well, clearly. Look, look at the bottom of the division. All the right, Jets so could go one in 15. Okay. And there's a notion Buffalo is tanking. I don't buy it, but it's All out right. there. So now that you have Jay Cutler, everyone's saying the team is much better at the quarterback position. So for me, when looking at this, they're competing to try to be the best team in that division. They're com- you, you heard the noise come out of the locker room that they're trying to beat the New England Patriots. So we understand we've had a chance to see that machine work, but yet we also had an opportunity a few years ago, a couple years ago, to see Miami in the last game of the season win a game. They've won a few times against this football team. Now, am I saying they're going to win? No, they're competing to have an opportunity to win that division, let alone to get into the postseason. That, that's fair to say, because that's why you play the game. Um, and so it's saying that he sees this. And, and I just think, you know, if, if, if everything works out the way it should, um, I think overall, from a friendship standpoint, those, those have to be established. It has to, in any work environment. If you're working with someone, you don't have to be their homeboy, homegirl, you know, uh, uh, let's go have dinner together type of a friend. But the, it has to be a cordial relationship with sure. the locker room. He can't walk in it, and say, I hate all you guys. Yeah. But do you think he's really going to change at the age of 34 on a well, new team? If, it, well, you know what? The, how did it work out for him in Chicago? How it, did it work out? He made in, a in, lot in, of in, money and they got to the NFC title game a few years ago. Okay. So what happened over the last couple of years? Let's he, go off the last couple of years. He was hurt, although in fairness, he played very well for Adam Gase two years ago. And what was the narrative around Jay Cutler's attitude? Lousy teammates. All right. Smoking Jay Cutler. Okay. So you think with the team that's winning wants that behavior or that attitude in that locker room? No, they don't. You could take that back to Chicago where it's cold, where you won't smell the odor on it because it's so cold it keeps it frozen. You could bring that back. You could take that back to Chicago. But I think in Miami, what they're trying to do – that type of energy cannot exist in that locker room nor on the team at all. It has to be one where if he's going to be fiery, I think this group of guys may appreciate him more because they have better talent on the offensive side of the football as far as yelling and screaming. It'll work on that team. It can. Chicago's just not good. It just wasn't good enough. They weren't good. I mean, it got rid of one of the best offensive players on this team in a very long time. And Matt Forte, he was 80% of the offense. They got rid of him. And then all of a sudden, Jay Cutler was somewhat left to himself. And then all Sean Jeffries and his injuries and issues of suspensions. I mean, it just became, it was a downward spiral along with Jay Cutler getting injured. Then you add the attitude conversation. Not a good environment for no one to be in. Now this is an environment that was on a a trend that was upward. Now the question is, how does his energy fit within the locker room? Not just with the head coach and Adam Gaze, who he was with, but also the different temperaments of a Indama Kinsuan company on that football team in that locker room. Yes. So when it comes down to it in the end, yes, it, it's cool to befriend your teammates. It is cool to say, you know what, let's go have a bite to eat every once in a while because these are the guys, especially as a quarterback, these are the guys that's got to fight for you. These are the guys that has to say, this is my guy. So if he comes in with that arrogant-looking uh, uh, disposition that we saw him have in Chicago, it won't work in Miami. So Cordell? If we are tracking what's going on in Chicago, if you look at the depth chart, go to ChicagoBears.com. Mike Lennon is still number one. And John Fox, the head coach of the Bears, reiterated that yesterday. Here's the quote and maybe the key words to start this line. Fox speaking. Right now, Mike Lennon is the starter. He's going to start the third preseason game, which is a pretty good indicator 
where you start the regular season, I'll leave it at that. At the same time, Trubisky's getting first-team reps now, and when asked about that, Mike Glennon gave this, and I think it was a fitting answer to the media in Chicago. Glennon said, deja vu, reminiscent of what happened when he was playing in Tampa Bay, and the Bucks went all in to draft Jameis Winston with the number one overall pick in 2015. Do you like Glennon being that open, or is he acting a little bit nervous in the Windy City? No, I like it. I mean, he's letting him know he he sees what's going on, and I don't think you know, nothing's wrong with what he said. He's not bad-mouthing anyone. He's not being nitpicky. He's just he said he's, he's been on this ride before, you know, so nothing's new to what he's about to experience by being able to see that uh, Mitchell Trubisky is taking reps. But, again, he can't really control anything, but he can only he can control what he can, and that's going out and doing a good job. You don't want to allow movement by the organizations to um, – put a, let's just say, a, a barricade up, you know, in front of you feeling as if you, there's a level of resistance or even uh, there's a level of, you know, just pure, you know, behind-your-back trickery going on. Uh, so when you say deja vu and he's been there, done that, uh, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's like in Pittsburgh, you know, when I was there even, when times where they made moves to Mike Tomczak, to Kent Graham, to even Tommy Maddox at one point in time. I'm like, it, if anything, the first time I was I was caught off guard, the first time, the second time, I was like, oh, this is some foolishness. You know, whatever. As a matter of fact, go Kent Graham, go. So much so to where you had Kevin, what, Kevin Gilbride came and said, why are you, why are you cheering for him? <laughs> and I'm sitting here saying to myself, I'm not about to sit back here and look miserable. I'm not about to sit back here and be a part of something I love and let your decision deter me from having a good time and, and, and being a part of a game that I love tremendously. All of a sudden, two weeks down the road, we're losing all the games. Matter of fact, we're 0-3 at this time. We're getting ready to play Jacksonville, matter of fact. And he busts his bursa sack and his hip by opening up doing a handoff, Ken Graham did. All of a sudden, on that Friday, I automatically became the starter by default because of an injury. So I go out and we go on the road. We beat the hell out of Jacksonville. So all of a sudden, you know, it was like because I stayed the course and focused on what was more important, which was one, I love the game. Two, it was a decision they made. It wasn't a decision in my mind that was accurate because I saw that. That wasn't better than me. That's how I felt about it. And I, and, I, and I hope Mike Glennon can look at this and say the same thing. But he's between the rock and the hard place because they made a move in the draft to grab this young man to be their future. This wasn't a guy as a free agent coming in and, you know, team was just doing a little experimenting or what have you. And, you know, maybe Kevin Gilbride wanted his own guy in the mix and who he thought could be a quarterback that could best run his run-and-shoot style offense when we didn't have that personnel. In our system, we had more of a run-first style offense personnel group in our whole entire offense. And so when seeing uh, that happening, I'm like, hey, let's go. But Mike Glennon, he has to have that same approach. He has to have blinders on, and it's hard. I mean, it's easy for you and I in this air-conditioned situation and being on the mic with no pressure around us, no one near us, and, and, and telling us how to do it and when to do it. It's different. But when you're out there actually putting in the work, and then all of a sudden you see this happening where Mitchell Trubisky is now a part of getting first-team runs 
in practice, that 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 is somewhat saying, okay, we just need to take a peek. Because we've all seen him play in a preseason game. He's played well. He hasn't done much wrong. I mean, he the traditional ways of playing and making mistakes, sure, all day long. But it's not those rookie-type mistakes. And I think what they're doing with the play calling is, is they're playing to his strengths. Because he can run, they do a lot of the bootlegs. You know, creating plays on the move. And then when he's in the pocket and having to make some throws, he's standing in, he's making some really good throws. So, you know, Mike Glennon has his hands full, but he also, his pockets are full too. He has $18 million guaranteed. So go ahead and play the best you can, do the best you can. Know you got a $45 million deal. They're not getting rid of you no time soon. Play cards right, you know, and, 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 and be a straight cash homie kind of guy, but compete the best you can and let the chips fall where they may. And if it's deja vu to him, you know what? I just think, I just think he's letting everyone know that he's seen this before. And uh, it's not new to him. So it, with knowing that, Go play football, let the chips fall where they may. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Premium listeners, the NFL is back on TuneIn. With the NFL on TuneIn, hear the home call of every game live all season long. The action starts with live coverage of every preseason matchup on the schedule. Then as training camps come to a close, be sure to mark your calendars for NFL kickoff weekend, beginning with Thursday night football featuring the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots on September 7th. At home or on the go, hear the home call of every NFL game on TuneIn. Looking for the hottest hip-hop right now? Just search Hip-Hop Beat exclusively on TuneIn. Hear artists like Jay-Z. All this old talk left me confused. You'd rather be old rich me or new you? Migo. Slippery. Won't excuse me. Please me. Travis Scott. But it's life I cannot change. And it is. Deep off in the main. Eminem. We have all your hip-hop needs. Search Hip Hop Beat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Cordell, as we close the podcast, let's welcome in Tracy Perlman, the league's senior vice president for football communications and marketing, and former NFL safety Leonard Wheeler from the NFL Legends program. Tracy, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with the basics. What's the mission statement of the NFL Legends program? Uh, the NFL Legends program started almost four years ago now, and the idea is we want to celebrate former players, embrace them, and connect them back to the league. And we want to make sure that they're engaged with everything we do and they're taking care of all of the benefits that they've earned. When you think of the players, can you give us a few good names and great names that are, that are involved with the program? Um, we actually have 21 guys who work throughout the country, and they are regional coordinators and directors. And we've got Chad Pennington, we've got Will Shields, we've got John Randall, Warwick Dunn, Donovan Darius, Mike Rucker. Um, so we definitely feel like we're covered, and we span all different generations of the game and all different positions, and we're all over the country. Tracy, what kind of feedback and input have you and the league gotten from the players involved in the program? It's a peer-to-peer model, which is fairly unique. Yes, and and I think, you know, and Cordell can attest to this, I think when a, a player hears from another player that they've utilized the program, that they're working with us, that they're engaged with us, 
they're more likely to participate. We want to make sure that they understand that we're just here for them. We're here to serve them. And the feedback we've gotten is, this is amazing, I want more. And we started to put out their offers and things that guys weren't aware of. So um, things like you can call NFL Films and get a highlight film of your career at no cost to you. Cordell, I hope you have done that. I am um, going to now. Most guys don't know that they can do that. Oh, I am going to now because uh, <laughs> I've been, you know, I have to, you know, now times have changed when it comes down to uh, ways to go. There's no VHS tape anymore. DVDs <laughs> are becoming obsolete to where now you're putting everything on these little bitty, these little bitty cards or what have you to slide into maybe your camera or even your, 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 your DVD player of some sort. But uh, when it comes down to these players who are involved uh, in some capacity, uh, mm -hmm. What about golf tournaments? Uh, do you have golf tournaments? Uh, do you, are you doing foundational things with kids in the sense of having different events for them to interact with some of the guys? So we do a, a lot of different things. One of the things we do are Legends Lounges all over the country for guys to engage with each other. We host a golf tournament at Super Bowl. And, and to be honest with you, Cordell, our hope is to really take care of our own. So the money goes back to the Player Care Foundation to make sure that we are taking care of former players who need assistance. So we do a lot of different events. They're calendar events throughout the country. Uh, we do lunch and learns, dinner and discuss. We do bowling events for charity. Um, we run events on the auction site. The more we can engage the players, the better. And our hope is really just that they get to be around each other and talk to each other. And it's a bonus if we can drive money to player care. We are chatting with Tracy Perlman, the NFL Senior Vice President for Football Communications and Marketing. You hit on the notion of player engagement. That's a pretty expansive concept. In practical <laughs> terms, what does it mean to the league and what kind of priority is it? You know, it, it really means a lot to us. Uh, we actually moved under the Football Operations Department because really the two things that are paramount to us are the game and the players. So this is really at an elevated level. We work with ownership on this. And a lot of the owners have now started to create their own Legends communities. And last year, 32 teams, all 32, did a homecoming event for their former players, and over 2,100 players went back to their former teams, which is unprecedented. And it's so important that you've got a department here working on it. You've got 21 former players working for us, and now all 32 teams have people working specifically in this area. Um, we also have a player engagement department that's focused on this. And again, it really is about making sure we're taking care of our own and that guys understand what's available to them and that they're using it. When you think of the program that's been set up, uh, it's truly, I think, uh, helping a lot of players who was missed along the way, let's just say, didn't get the attention. Because yeah. you know how the National Football League, it's, it's such a big fraternity to the point where the guys who are the marquee guys are the ones who truly get all the attention. It's the scout team players. Um, mm -hmm. It could be some of the second teamers who don't really get that attention. How big of a program is this for some of those listeners when it comes down to bringing awareness to those other guys? Because to me, at the end of the day, that's really who it's really all about. I think the guys who make the game what it is, not so much just the stars because they get compensated yeah. very, very well. But it's those little guys that actually do the work behind the scenes for a scout team is concerned, given the great looks that can also benefit from this program as well. 
Yeah, and Cordell, that's the whole point. If you signed an NFL contract, you are part of this community, and we want to tell your story. So it's important to us that you played the game and that you played the game at this level, but it's also important to us to know what you're doing now. We want people to know as well, and we want to help you build your own brand off the field. So we are engaged with guys who have played everything from one year to who've played for 20 years, and everybody has the same benefits. Obviously, there are certain things that you had to have a certain amount of accredited seasons for, but the Legends community itself is for all players. Tracy, if you don't mind talking about yourself, doing some research, you were profiled (laughs) in the Sports Business Journal and mentioned that early in your career, Roger Goodell asked you an important question about your professional goals. Do you remember that story and the impact it had on you? Um, you know, it, it had a lot of impact on me, and it's, and it's interesting because a few years ago, uh, the commissioner again said to me, Tracy, what is it that you aspire to do here? And it, it took me a minute, and I said, I really want to serve the players, and I want to make sure that they have clear and consistent communication and that they know that we care about them. And I, I want to say we had that com- conversation again like three years ago, and three years later I'm sitting in a position where he's actually allowed me to do that and working with Troy Vincent, we've created the opportunity that I've kind of dreamed of. Tracy, when you look at how your relationship is with the commissioner, Roger Goodell, Mm -hmm. um, give us an honest assessment on how do you see him uh, and how does he feel towards the players? Because every once in a while when having to put down the gauntlet because of uh, personal conduct issues and many other, mm-hmm. let's just say, fines throughout the National Football League. Give give us, give everyone an opportunity to know who Roger Goodell really is when it comes down to how he cares about not just the league itself, but the players that are in it. Yeah, Cordell, I've been working here for 25 years, so I've known the commissioner for that long. And I think he instilled in me my love for this game and my empathy and care for players. And anyone who spends time with him knows there's nothing he cares about more than this game and nothing he wants to protect more than our players. And that's my personal opinion. Um, And it's my personal opinion from being around him and watching him light up when we bring players into the office and they walk in to talk to him. And he always comes to me and says, hey, Trace, have you talked to this guy? How's everything going? And, you know, I think he's a persona in the public and in the media. But I believe the person he is is someone who loves this game, cares about the people who play it, and really cares about the people who work here. I really, truly consider him my mentor, and he is one of the reasons that I've been here for so long. Tracy, thanks so much for the time. We value the information. Look forward to chatting with legends throughout the regular season here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you so much. And let's expand the conversation. We can say hello to an NFL legend. Here's Leonard Wheeler, the former NFL safety. Leonard, we were just getting the overview as to the particulars of the legends program. What does being a legend mean to you? Oh, man, being a legend, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on the show. Um, you know, it is it is really a privilege, you know, playing in a league, you know, a league that's been around going on 98 years. And, you know, when Tracy and Troy Vincent uh, formed the Legends community, it was really a no-brainer for us to be involved because at the end of the day, even when we finished playing the game, all of us are legends. 
even if it's in our own minds, but especially in our own communities. Leonard, you, you know when playing the game, um, it's almost as if you have the feeling of invincibility. You know, it's like you can't do anything wrong, right? It's, it's almost like you're, you're unbreakable, you're unbeatable, you, you can't be denied. And then all of a sudden it comes to a point where now you're away from the game. How do you convey the message to the players that there is a program opposite of how it's been maybe five to ten years ago. They can go even further to the point where there wasn't really programs like this, but know that this is a program that really shows that they care about uh, the, the, the former players, the current players, and even the future players to come. Well, you know, that's a great question because the purpose of the Legends community is to help the players to celebrate and embrace them for what they've done, to connect them back to their communities, connect them back to the team, and really connect them back to the NFL, to the Shield. Because you know as well as I do, when we were little kids, this is a game that, that one day we dreamed to be able to play. And so when that, when that game is over, one of the things that we continue to stay connected to is the camaraderie that we felt in our locker room. And one thing that the Legends community does, it doesn't just connect you back, but it brings all the available resources around the country given all the affinity groups from the NFLPA to the trust to the gridiron great, and it literally says to you, hey, we want to connect you back to every single resource that can help you and your, tra- you and your family transition. Chatting with Leonard Wheeler, the former NFL safety, spent a half dozen years in the league. Leonard, what can you tell us about your business pursuits, Wheeler Enterprises, and your work as a speaker and an author? Well, you know, I uh, wrote a book almost two years ago called Beyond the Locker Room, and the book was really based on how to transition from the game. For the past 16 years, I've been doing global executive coaching and speaking uh, around the country, around the world, really, in the areas of emotional intelligence and leadership development. And so my passion, really, you know, that's why it correlates really, really well with the NFL because it allows me to continue to serve, and that's really what I love to do at the end of the day. When you look at the game today and, and how things have changed in comparison to how they were in the past, how do you see uh, these two entities actually join together, meaning the players that are just now in a whole nother world of the football game and, and knowing that they probably are financially set? I mean, look at what's taking place with Brock Osweiler. We could talk about Mike Glennon. Even those types of players can also come back to the program and help in some capacity. Am I right? Man, you are so right. And it's really – you know, at the end of the day, you know as well as I do, Cordell, it's really about serving your brothers. And at the end of the day, regardless of how successful we are, we're going to have some younger people coming up behind us. We have some guys that played before us that continue to reach back for us and lifting us up. So we are really charged to do the same thing to the younger guys that's coming behind us. Leonard, last one for me, because you played the safety position, we know how physical that is. We understand player safety is the priority, but what's your assessment of where we are in 2017? Certainly the game has changed radically since you retired. Well, I think the mindset of the game has changed along with the physicality of the game. And, you know, I mean, even dealing with the TVA, you know, there was something negotiated differently as far as training camp is concerned. And this really has geared more around player safety. I think the educational part of the game is important because as a parent, I think it's important for us to be able to make intelligent decisions for our kids. And if 
the parents don't feel as if their kids should play football, then, you know, that's their derogative. But I don't think that the NFL game has changed so much to where I think the only way it's changed is really now it's more exposure to where concussions are a little bit more exposed and people are more educated to make better decisions. But at the end of the day, it doesn't get better than playing the game of football. Leonard, we appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.